Friends, welcome to our first fireside chat. In early March, my family and I went to Washington, D.C. for a few days. We did a tour of all of the monuments and the memorials on bikes, and we were in awe at these great figures in our history. But the memorial that struck us the most was the FDR Memorial. As we walked through each of the different rooms of the memorial, we were reminded of the great length of FDR's presidency and his incredible leadership during two of the largest challenges our country had ever faced, the Great Depression and World War II. In order to calm the nation, FDR held these 30 chats over the course of his tenure. Although he did not record these by a fireplace as cozy as this, they were actually given the name Fireside Chats by a CBS reporter because these chats left the listeners feeling comforted like a warm fire would. Now, keep in mind, this was long before television and 90% of Americans had a radio in their own home. It was a regular practice for families to gather around the radio for the shows that they loved, like Tarzan or Land of the Lost or Little Orphan Annie, to name a few. And so this was the ideal way for FDR to get a message out to the American people. And FDR's goal was to restore calm and reduce anxiety during these very difficult times. The listeners were not comforted because FDR had this soothing voice like the guy that does the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials or those people that make you cry on the Hallmark commercials. The reason they were comforted is because FDR provided for the listener concrete truths about topics that were causing people anxiety. We too are in the midst of the greatest global challenge that most of us have faced in our lives. I don't know about you, but I need some cozy. I need some comfort. Although it would be easy for me to come up with some religious platitudes that would comfort us, we need to do it differently. I want our comfort to come from the truth of Scripture. And so our guide over the next seven weeks is going to be the Gospel of John. And we are going to look to it for how to deal with the topics that are causing us anxiety. Next week, Claire is going to look at social distancing. Stacy is going to preach at the end of May on boredom. And then a couple weeks from now, we'll talk about health, just to name a few. Every Wednesday, the pastors will have a podcast that's called Talk Back, and we want to be able for you to talk back to us after you have heard the sermons. And so as you are listening to this sermon today, I want you to write down questions that come to mind and email them to me at emilyw at whpc.org. And every week, we are going to try our best to address these in our podcast. And so friends, that is my goal. It's that as scripture comforts us and that as we virtually worship together, that each of our lives would be less anxious and that each of our lives might be more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Today, we begin our fireside chats with the topic of change. I mean, it's something that we all just can't get enough of, right? I mean, you wake up in the morning and you want more in your life to change, right? 
I seriously doubt that. This needed, though, to be our first topic, because if there is one thing in this entire world that is uniting all of humanity, that we all have in common, it's that some part of our daily life has changed in the past two months. So I thought we would just start with going ahead and naming what change might have felt like for us. It's felt uncomfortable. Like when you can't find any way to have alone time away from the people that you are in quarantine with. Some of you are escaping to your garages, into your cars, to just have quiet. Or maybe you're quarantined by yourself and you are just aching for time with others. On the other hand, change can feel exhilarating and refreshing. Like when you go to bed early, not because you have to wake up early, but because you want to. It can be refreshing because you have time to go on a long walk, not because you're trying to burn more calories or to get more fit, but because you don't have to race home to take kids to lacrosse practice or get dinner on the table by a certain time. You are feeling refreshed because your kids and your grandkids, they now call you every day, not just once a week to check on you. But change also can feel really out of control and scary. Like realizing that you have to change careers mid-stride because the market has fallen. Or you find out that you have a friend who's really, really sick with cancer, but you're not gonna be able to see her or care for her. Or someone in your house, suddenly they get a high fever and it brings out this, just so much fear in us. Change also has brought about a sense of accomplishment. I've seen pictures of many of you who have organized your pantries and your garages, cleaned out your closets, or maybe you've lost some weight because you can't eat out as much. Or how about the time that you made it through an entire week and you still had a few sheets of paper towels left? Or you figured out how to do Zoom and you were able to get your face just in the right place on the screen. This is the thing. Change has always been part of being human. It's been something that we have experienced, but lately there's just been a lot of it, especially on the outside. And so today, our text from the Gospel of John, it reminds us that being changed is actually part of being a follower of Christ. So there's this character that the Bender girls just read about named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, to me, is a comfort character, like a comfort food that just makes you feel good. He does so many things in this, this little story that we have about him that we can relate to. It brings comfort that people like him, end up in the Bible. It's somebody that all of us can kind of picture ourselves acting like. So Nicodemus, he hears about this new rabbi in town for the Passover who has done remarkable things. Now, not just because my husband is in the wine industry, but I must mention that according to John's gospel, Jesus's first miracle is to turn water into wine. And in the midst of this quarantine, the wine industry must say thank you. Then, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem right at the Passover, he enters the temple courts 
and he sees these money changers and these people selling doves, and he sees that the, those that do not have as much are getting taken advantage of. And he throws down in serious rage when he sees people doing this. So Nicodemus has heard about these two things, and I'm sure lots more. And so he is curious, and he wants to, to go meet with this teacher face-to-face. It's interesting that he doesn't rely on the hearsay of others or making judgments that are based on anecdotal evidence. Nicodemus seeks out face-to-face to have a conversation with this person. But he does his search on the down low and kind of sneaky. The author is sure to tell us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. It shows that he is daring, but he's, he's also scared of getting called out for going to visit this new rabbi. What I find the most comfort about from Nicodemus today is how utterly clueless he is as to what Jesus is trying to tell him. In a time where so many of us feel utterly clueless, where we have a lot more questions than we do answers, we can identify with Nicodemus. So he comes up to Jesus and the, the text tells us that he says to him, we know you are a teacher that comes from God. For no one that comes from God would be able to do these signs as you are doing them. And Jesus answers him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. The word that Jesus uses here for see, it, it does not mean to see as in eyesight. That's a different Greek word. This is seeing that allows for knowing. This is seeing in which you perceive something. It's like when you walk into a lunchroom and you don't just see the empty seats or the, the places that are available to sit, but you perceive who might need you to sit with them. It's seen where you pause from your work from your home office because there's been one of your children who has interrupted you several times and you perceive they might need some of your attention. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, the people that are able to see God's work in the world, they have been born anew. They have been given a new way to look at the world. They have been changed. Okay, so this is so classic. I remember learning years ago, and I don't know if someone taught me this or I just learned it on my own, but if I am having a conversation with someone who knows more about a topic than I do, and they say something that I don't understand, that I should just keep listening. Because as I keep listening, usually they're gonna flesh out more of what they are saying and so understanding might come. Not Nicodemus. He just cannot keep the thoughts that are popping into his head from coming out of his mouth. And so here's what Jesus says, and he says, how can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? The text tells us Jesus answered. I have to wonder, though, how much time passed before Jesus actually responded? I, I have to think that, D, that Jesus, 
he put his head down for a moment and he had to chuckle and think, did he think before he just spoke? Does he even realize how ridiculous what he just said sounds? I, I wonder if Jesus thought, okay, I mean, I know I talk in parables and I have this ironic sense of humor, but do people always just blurt out everything they think? So Jesus realizes he's going to have to explain it. And he says, listen, stop thinking about things in earthly terms, about things that are on the external. This is not being born like a human. That type of birth is of the flesh. I am talking about a new life that is born from above, a life that is born of the spirit. And this type of birth, it comes only from the creator. This is the birth of a life in the spirit of God. You see, this isn't an external change. This is about changing what is going on inside of you. This is something I do not want us to miss. Being born from above, being born anew, or, or being born again as some other versions of the Bible translate it. This is not about being more of us. This is about each of us allowing for more of God. And this, my friends, means allowing God to change us. I wonder when you heard that phrase, born again, what is stirred up for you? Have you ever been asked if you are born again? Like someone found out you were a Christian and then they said, well, are you a born again Christian? This term has been used over the past 200 years as an indicator of whether one is truly a follower of Jesus or not. And I have to tell you, at least in my experience, this phrase has been used in legalistic ways that have felt judgmental and exclusionary. I think Jesus is not talking about a class of Christian here. When Jesus says you must be born anew, when you must be born from above, when he says you must be born again, he is encouraging all of his followers that a life of following him means a life that will change. Jesus wants our hearts and minds to be transformed into his likeness. I think what leads to anxiety and disruption in our lives, or at least enhances it, is that we focus on the changes around us rather than the changes that could be possible inside of us. The Apostle Paul said this to the church in Rome, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What if in this season, this very unique season, what if we focused less on all the changes that are going on around us and we considered what change God is doing inside of us? So students, I feel for you. You are missing hanging out with your friends so very much. You are grieving that you don't get to play in that soccer season or baseball season or have that spring concert or go to prom. Aside from the many external changes in your lives. What if God 
is working on changing something inside of you this season. Parents, I feel for you. Have you been feeling inadequate about how homeschool is going? Embarrassed by your short temper and your desire to escape to your car in the middle of the day? Grieving for the things that your kids are missing out on? What if God is working on changing something inside of us this season? Empty nesters, you have had trips planned that you waited a long time for and you saved up for. You are grieving that your young adult children have lost their jobs and your own retirement date, well, it's been pushed out years because of this. What if God is calling you to work on something inside of you this season? And my gently aged friends, many of you are by yourselves and I feel for you as you miss those daily outings with friends and family that were the highlight of your day. You're missing your mahjong and your bridge groups and you are missing holding those grandchildren. What if God is working on changing something inside of you this season? Friends, what would happen if as followers of Jesus, we embraced being born anew every day. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you wanna see more of what God is doing in the world? No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. My prayer is at end of this pandemic that the followers of Jesus would be transformed. Obviously that's gonna happen on the outside and what people see externally but transformed and born anew with a greater likeness to Christ. Greater patience, more kindness, huge compassion and gratitude, hearts to serve, reckless love. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.